Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 51, starting with verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. The Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of a song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to, to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in a like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from uh, Romans 11 and part of chapter 12. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For he has known the mind of the Lord. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given him a gift? that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him all things are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that has been assigned, has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah and verse.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Yes, today we're going to be all about the rock. Okay? The rock. Picture in your mind a big boulder, huge, strong, unyielding. And that is the picture of the disciples' faith in Jesus. The proclamation that he is the Christ. That is the rock on which Christ will build his church. Now we know that as strong as that is and as forceful as that is and how wondrous that is, there are some that would rather take credit for the church for themselves. There are those that think, well, you know, it's built on the human being, Peter, you know, because he's the rock. But no, Peter's actually in our text answering for all the disciples and saying who Jesus is. And so it's his proclamation of faith in Jesus that is this rock. So the disciples have been with Jesus for over two years. From the very start of his ministry, it's been the Lord's desire that they come to know who he is and to understand his mission. Now, there were times when the disciples seemed to get who Jesus was. Early on, we remember Nathaniel declared Jesus the Son of God simply on the basis because Jesus told him that he had seen him from a far way off. After Jesus' first miracle, his disciples believed in him. And seeing other miracles, such as the calming of the sea, Jesus walking on the water, the disciples worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. But it's not until our gospel lesson today that a human being has declared Jesus to be the Christ. Think about that. All these chapters, now we're all the way to Matthew 16, before someone declares who Jesus is and his purpose clearly. That is the true and foundational confession of the church. For you and I also, that Jesus is the Christ. That is the truth in which we are baptized and when we are confirmed in our faith, 
we are then also confessing Jesus as the Christ. Now, as it was, the very limits of what had been the land of Canaan, given long before to the tribe of the Israelites, Dan, Jesus came alone with his disciples, where he would reveal to them that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. This region was populated by Gentiles. Idol worship was everywhere. Nearby Panaeus, now known as Banias, was dedicated to the worship of idols, particularly to the Greek god Pan. And it was a place of rocky outcrops, caves, dead idols, and no doubt somewhat spiritually foreboding. And Jesus was concluding his Galilean ministry. The people who had heard him speak and saw the miracles had wondered and marveled. Undoubtedly, the disciples knew what was being said about their teacher. So Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And Jesus uses his own name for himself, Son of Man because he intends to tell them about his passion. It's generally understood at that time for a Jew that the Messiah would be a son of God. And so the answers the disciples reported were not necessarily bad, although I dare say if they said those answers on Jeopardy, they would probably get buzzed out and lose money. You know, although Herod had not seen Jesus, from what he had heard, he thought Jesus was the John of Baptist reincarnated back from the grave. The people thought of Jesus as in the line of the prophets in the Old Testament. And, you know, they thought of Elijah or Jeremiah. And so, as in Jesus' day, many people today, yes, even today, Think of our Lord only as someone who's an important religious figure or a guru, a teacher, some good man who had some good ideas. But yet, that's not enough. Jesus is more. He is the Christ. At his birth, the angels told the shepherds, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Thank you. I thought all these years of saying that on Christmas was lost. Okay. Um, so born to you this day is Christ the Lord. Look at that. Christ proclaimed right at his birth. And Jesus is to be confessed as the Son of God because Jesus is the Son of God. And the disciples needed to know that the mission could not move forward until they confessed him as the Christ. And we need to know it too and confess it as we are saved. And so Peter asked, well, Jesus asked first, his disciples, but who do you say that I am? All along, he'd been leading up to this question. 
You know, he wants to know what they know or think. And Peter, answering boldly, replies for the group. And you know, we all have those people in our group's text that always answer boldly on behalf of all of us. Okay? So Peter answered, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. What wondrous words. No wonder it's the foundation of the church. Knowing who Christ is and proclaiming him. Now we know Peter was somewhat known as being a little impetuous. I mean, after all, Peter was the one who told Jesus, hey, ask me to come out of the boat with you and walk on the water. And later, when Jesus was in the midst of his passion, Peter refuses to have Jesus wash his feet, but tells him to wash all of him. And then later on, he says he'll never deny Jesus, but then he denies Jesus three times. Thankfully, our Savior was patient with Peter, and he's also patient with you and I. Because no one is able to say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells Peter that his confession made on behalf of the twelve comes at the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that just came to him overnight, but was rather a manifestation of the work of the Spirit. And his words to Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so you and I, we understand that it's only by God's revelation, through the working of his spirit and word, that we are brought to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. Some of you in confirmation might remember the third article of the Apostles' Creed and Luther's explanation. I cannot, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel. Many Christians around us find this hard to say. And why is that? Because by nature, you and I as human beings, we want to have a part in it. We want to have a say. We want to have a choice. But see, the Holy Spirit does the work. He is the one who plants faith. He is the one that brings it to life, as we call him the Lord and giver of life. And so the work of salvation, the work of conversion, the work of bringing someone to faith is all God at work in his people. You know, many people have said, oh, well, what difference does it make? It doesn't make any difference as long as I say it. Well, it does make a difference because if it's something that I have decided, then who's to say that I haven't decided wrongly? But if it's something that God has done, we know that God does not make mistakes. That God is never, ever wrong. You know, if you were in a classroom and God was in the chair ahead of you, 
you better look at his answers all the time. Because they're always right. So you and I, we know that it's important for us to know that Jesus is the Christ. And to know that it is God who gave us that news and gave us the faith to believe it, to trust in it, and to know that all the blessings of salvation, all the work of God proclaimed by Jesus at the cross and at the empty tomb is now ours because of what God has done. You and I, we are people who have a life that is now built upon the rock of ages, the rock that is Christ, the rock of our confession of Christ given to us by the Holy Spirit. And so you and I, we are people that have now been changed from the house on the sand to the house on the rock. And we know what happens to the houses built on the sand, right? Remember, the, wind, or the rain comes down and the water comes up. The rain comes down and the water comes up. The rain comes down and the flood comes up and the house on the sand went splat. See, those songs from Sunday school do come in handy, okay? One can sing them and have a smile on your face, right? You know, our front sign, if you noticed it this morning as you came in, says, people, talk about Jesus. And it's as simple as that. People, talk about Jesus. Spend our time talking about him. Because isn't that what is most important? Isn't that what's going to guarantee someone's life in eternity? Is Jesus and who he is? That he is the Christ? So may you and I feel empowered today because God has gifted us with something really wonderful. He has given you the blessing beyond all blessings. He's given you a living faith in the living God. He has transformed you and transported you and transplanted you from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life. What a blessing and marvelous gift that is. One we can never hope to repay, something we never could do on our own, but something that God has done out of love for you and I. Built on the rock. We sang that hymn just a few minutes ago, right? Even when steeples are falling. Well, we certainly see the church faltering in many places. Spires are coming down. But bells are still chiming and calling. Now that line always kind of confused me. And I was looking into this and a brother pastor shared with me that, you know, that's what happens in rural congregations in the olden days. That when a member of the congregation and the people were praying for them would die, the bell would toll in the village. And everyone in the fields around would know someone just died. The bell would toll. But that was also foretelling their entrance in the kingdom of heaven. The bell was signifying that they were not lost 
but these were people of God who had been claimed by him and now were now entering that light inaccessible and that place divine. And so those bells, those chimes, those spires all call us and they remind us that there will be a rest, a rest in everlasting life. So may you and I today, when we hear the honking of a car, when we hear the buzzer on our oven, when our phone goes off, be reminded, people, talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Because he's the one that's the key to everything. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.